This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Hey, good morning, everybody. A 4th of July Eve. It's kind of weird to say that, but that's kind of... What it is here, and hopefully you're having a fantastic Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning, I should say. Why does the afternoon so bad? That's not until a couple hours from right now. That's a different conversation for a different day. And of course, appreciate each and every one of you listening in on this Louisiana Saturday morning, however you do so. And of course, as always, each and every week, we are coming to you live from the beautiful palatial First, South Farm Credit Studios. We're looking good. Oh, we most certainly are looking good. We're feeling good and appreciate you listening in however you're doing so. Be it through the old school, the Tower of Power, the FM dial. The Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit and space is the Oh, yeah, brother. And, of course, we got us on the free mobile app that... 1037thegame.com, uh-huh. as well as the, I'd say, absolutely amazing Amazon Alexa skills. If you haven't changed up and updated your Alexa skill, what the hell are you waiting for? You, you, hell, if you've got a new one, make sure to add 1037 the game to your Alexa skill. That way you can listen to Acadiana Sports Station through your smart speaker. No need to load up a mobile app. No need to pull up your computer. Go ahead and boot it up. Just tell that smart speaker you got over there to play 1037 the game. It can be your Alexa, your Google Home even. You can just say, okay, Google, and then just boom, you got 1037 the game right there. Just tell it tell it, the, it what you want. It's not like the old days when you saw those MTV commercials. I want my MTV. I want my 1037 the game. That's basically what you need to tell your favorite smart speaker. You can listen in to us, and hopefully, you're, again, you're having a great Saturday. It's 4th of July weekend. Maybe you get a little early barbecue going. Hopefully, you're doing that before things start raining. And make sure you be safe this weekend. We don't want anybody to be um, uh, like JPP a few years ago and popping off a couple of their digits this weekend. But, of course, it's a different kind of Saturday. It's feeling uh, really good, I would say, especially if you're a college athlete right now. Because you've been enjoying, a lot of them especially, have been enjoying the last couple of days. I'm sure there'll be more coming over the next several days as we get into this 4th of July weekend. This stuff's fairly new, and we're starting to learn it. And I think a lot of businesses are going to be taking full advantage of this situation right now with the NIL, which is, in fact, the topic for today's Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Who testified? 
It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. Note to self, re-update the hotkeys. <laughs> but anyways, we'll save that conversation for another day. But it's a new era of college athletics. It's begun in earnest. And honestly, I'm super excited because the future holds limitless possibilities for a lot of student athletes across the country. One of the headlines I saw, one of the headlines I saw a few weeks ago said that the Senate, quote unquote, said the NCAA is not above the law. And the talking heads on the Four Letter Network and a lot of other places were crying out that this is the end of the NCAA as we know it. But a lot like Michael Stipe once said, I feel fine if this is truly the end of the NCAA as we know it. He's the organization has been in desperate need of some changes for decades. We hear all the stuff with Reggie Bush, who we'll talk about a little bit later in the program, and some of the things that he's said. I mean, some of it at least somewhat justified, and what the Heisman Committee even said, that may be a little bit passing of the buck. But the NCAA has been very shady for decades, and finally we get some form of change and reform on a lot of old archaic rules. This is now a new era of the NCAA. It's the most seismic shift in the history of its existence. And players can now cash in on their name, image, and likeness starting on July 1 in a lot of states that have allowed it. Louisiana being one of them. We'll talk about that in just a second. And I think this all kind of got started because of the school not wanting to pay laptops, pay for laptops for the football players. Think about how messed up that is. The university wasn't going to buy these players laptops, even though these guys had full scholar- full ride scholarships and everything because of the stupid, archaic, out-of-touch rules that the NCAA had. And this is going to happen sooner or later, when you think about it, especially with the rise of social media and the clout that they have. But now it's the time for the student-athletes to cash in and truly have the power the ones that put their bodies on the line every time they take the field, the court, the baseball diamond, the pitch. Or if you're playing softball in your your starting pitcher, you go in the circle. There's a lot of other different terminologies I could use. But that probably pretty much covers it, right? And they have the power now. Just in the last year, we've seen the influence and clout that some players have. Don't forget last year, we saw the let them play move because we started to hear rumor and innuendo about possibly there not being a college football season or getting pushed back to the spring due to COVID-19. Trevor Lawrence, he was the one of them that mainly kind of started this whole movement to say, hey, we want to play. Let them play. A lot like the bad news bears, let them play. Let them play. And their voice is amplified ten times more because of the influence and the clout they have. 10x compared to any other time in the world of collegiate sports or sports in general. Especially pre-social media. Yes, there are going to be some people like a Derek Stingley Jr. Or like, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be one of those other guys that's Trevor Lawrence-esque that's going to be making a ton of money hand over fist from a bigger program. It's obviously, but here's the thing. It's all about marketability and what you, 
bring to the table as a influencer of people? How many followers do you have? It's all about the marketability. You see people out there. I know it's LSU. One of LSU's gymnasts. She has like five million followers on Instagram and TikTok combined. And who are most people on Instagram and TikTok? The key demographic a lot of businesses want to get. So why not get in on the action with some of those people? I think it'd be massive. And it's going to be huge for them. Now they're cashing in on all angles. And this isn't just, you know, the big schools. We're seeing some big ones, but also smaller ones. Like, for instance, Masters P's son, the rapper, make him say, uh, the na-na-na. His son, Hersey, yes, Hersey, you heard me right there. Percy has a son named Hersey. How about that? He inked a $2 million deal with Web Apps America. He hasn't even stepped on the court yet for Tennessee State and HBCU. Yes, $2 million. And Master P said this is going to change the way college athletes want to stay in school. I think it will change the game a lot, especially with the one-and-done rule, because I wouldn't be surprised if some guys who may be considering, like, let's say, Hersey. I don't know what kind of talent he is, but if he's really good, he could be a one-and-done. But with the fact he's making $2 million off of this deal to be a brand ambassador for Web Apps America, and I'm almost certain you're going to see him absolutely put together a great career for himself. And even if he doesn't make the NBA, he's going to be making major bank. And, yes, he's mentioned that some of the newfound money will be put back into the community, which is pretty good. I'm not going to lie. That's fantastic to hear, to say the very least. But I'm loving what I'm seeing. There's so much potential for this being a golden opportunity for that other 99%, because they talk about it all the time. Only 1% of collegiate athletes go from college to the pros. It's the elite of the elite of the elite. And it's all we always hear about that top 1%. Well, guess what? Now the top 99% can make money for for four years and play for their program for four years, and they may never see the field for the NFL or the NBA or the MLB or any other future leagues. But now, after their playing days are over, they'll actually have money set aside for their future. That changes the game for a lot of players. And the best part is this. It's not just the bigger names from the big school across the basin here in the Louisiana. Let's just put it that way. That are cashing in. You're getting guys like Derek Singley Jr. He's got to deal with walk-ons. Miles Brennan, Smalls Sliders, Smoothie King. You also have guys like Levi Lewis, the quarterback for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, making some good bank, courtesy of a partnership with Eat Lafayette, part of their summer campaign. It's massive. It's a huge turnaround for this program. It's a game changer for collegiate sports. Now, if it still become, still is collegiate, that's a different conversation. But those days of amateurism are already gone now, because and more importantly, they're able to cash in on the clout they've built for themselves thanks to the rise of social media over the last like 10 years. I'll get an hour or two about some players who I think would have made like major bank since the year 2000. With or without the rise of social media, because I've got some serious thoughts on it. And if you got some, 337-706-0111, thoughts on this, anything else. And it, I've heard some callers call it a tragedy. This isn't a Greek tragedy. 
If anything, it's an American triumph for the student-athlete. Because again, they get to cash in on their clout. And it also puts us one step closer, or two steps closer, depending on your perspective, towards a fully licensed NCAA college football game. Please don't let this suck. EA Sports, don't screw it up. This is an absolute win for everybody. And those that don't think that are out of their gourds and need to rethink their POV on what's really causing all this. It's a huge win all the way around in my mind. It's not a tragedy, as I've heard some people say. It's a triumph. Because now the little guy that always got that's always gotten stomped around by colleges isn't getting stomped around anymore. They are now the ones that hold the chips. They are the ones that deserve to hold the chips. They're the ones put their bodies on the line. So it's absolutely massive to see this thing finally come to a head. And hopefully we can see everybody eat, if you will. Because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that would love to have a big name part of that program. And, you know, smaller businesses would definitely want to get in on it. And now these players can like gladly inquire on getting some opportunities to make the one thing I think they've been missing out on. And that's the dollar, dollar bills, y'all. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. When we come back, we'll talk about the New Orleans Saints, what they should do after inking a deal with Andrews Pete. And then at 10 30, excuse me, 9 30, I'm getting back to my old times of 10 a.m. to noon, then before, then after that was 11 to 1. My show's been all over the place, but it's 9 to 11 going forward, and we're rolling. We're going to talk with Ryan Ramchak getting paid the big bucks next. And then at 9 30, we'll have Elliot Clough on to talk about the New Orleans Pelican, Stan Van Gundy's comments that he had on the Stupidity podcast. And then at 10 30, we're going to get into the MLB conversation with our guy Ian Castleberry. So make sure you keep it locked right here on Under the Dome. we got two hours and plenty of stuff to get to right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. 1037 The Game and Amazon Smart Speakers make a powerful team. If you own an Amazon Smart Speaker like the Echo, Echo Dot, or Echo Show, you can listen to 1037 The Game. You need to enable our skill. Just tell me. Simply say, Alexa, enable the 1037 The Game skill. After you've enabled the skill on your smart speaker, you can then listen to our station by saying, Alexa, listen to 1037 The Game. It's just that easy to listen to Acadiana's sports station. He may be considered world famous, but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po'boy just like the rest of us. Just don't talk to him while he's eating. Lay off me, I'm starving. Now back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And we got all kinds of great stuff up for grabs right now including something really cool because we just launched a brand new TV station for those who are cord cutters, 
Cozy TV is now live on KLWB channel 50.5. Yes, if you if you don't have cable, you got us over the air on channel 50.5. And the best part is that some absolutely like S-tier level shows on this station, namely Roseanne, Frasier, Little House on the Prairie, a little, little more old school, but still pretty damn good. And I think the biggest one of them all is without a doubt The Office. If you don't have, if you don't feel like paying for Peacock and going ahead and stream it that way, The Office is on Cozy TV. So why don't you check that out on channel 50, 50.5. 50.5 is where it's at. And if you want something really cool, we got a prize pack for you. All you got to do is text Cozy, C O Z I, not C O Z Y. That's Cozy, C O Z I. I to six eight six eight three. Once again, that's cozy to six eight six eight three to win a cozy TV prize pack that includes a bag, a blanket, hat, and some. I guess you could say cozy socks. I mean, it's a cozy blanket and it's cozy socks. I'm not sure about a hat being cozy, but I'm sure there's a way it, it could be considered cozy. But that's pretty cool to say the very least. You got a chance to win that right now. Just by texting COZI to 68683. Now let's get into the mean potatoes about the New Orleans Saints. We're going to have on Elliot Clough in about, let's say, eight or nine minutes. And we're going to get into the New Orleans Pelicans because there's a lot of stuff going on with that franchise. Some of the good, some of the bad. You know, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe something else that, that I can't really say on the air. But what I can see on the air is this is really cool with Ryan Ramchek, a man who has had an incredible journey in the league, is now the highest paid right tackle in the entire NFL. And here's him talking about that at a press conference after he signed a five-year, $90 million deal. I mean, it's awesome, but um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to go out and do do what I always do and um, you know, train the way I do and, and prepare the way I do. So, you know, it's, it's cool to see that, um, on social media and stuff, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm still me. I'm still going to be the same guy, same work ethics. And that's what you want to hear from that guy. He, and he's absolutely just such a great dude. And especially when you hear about his journey, everything that he did, I mean, basically quit at high school football after one year, it was welding and stuff that went, went to school, started playing football again, and Ryan Ramchick now getting paid $90 million. It's nothing short of impressive. And it further proves why Lumisnomics should never be questioned. People want to say, oh, no, like how are they going to do that because all the cap space and stuff. Here's the thing. That was largely a restructuring of his contract to be a five-year extension. That way they can push the money down the road like they always do. It's such a smart move. It is galaxy brain. Because now the, the Saints are about $11 million out of cap hell. $11 million. Think about that statement. Because they were barely under the cap about two months ago. Like heading in, once the new league year started, they were just below the cap. They had to restructure like crazy, let some people go, namely Trey Hendrickson, somebody who I would have loved to have kept. That being said, this was the right move for the Pelicans, for the Saints, excuse me. We'll talk about the Pelicans later. 
There's been no right moves for them as of late. But with the New Orleans Saints, this was the right thing to do because now it's all about making a change with your defense and adding a couple pieces in there. And $11 million could get you some pretty decent-sized pieces of the puzzle, at least in my mind. I think there's no doubt you go for these guys. You take that opportunity and run with it. I'm looking forward seeing how he's going to pan out. I mean, how this whole thing's going to pan out in the long term. I think the short term, it's been massive. It's been huge for a lot of guys to get these opportunities to just make serious dinero and seeing somebody like a Ryan Ranchek make the amount of money he's making. I think it's huge. It's going to be something that's going to be panning out, I think, in the next, like, couple of years and paying off nicely because again one of the big things i've talked about for years here on katie in a sports station and especially about offensive line because i'm not like one of those offensive line like fanboys i'm more along the lines of a offensive line like savant never played it a day of my life but there's no doubt in my mind that's having continuity is probably the most important thing you can have if you're a player there's no doubt if I'm a player a quarterback especially I'm wanting to have like nothing but an opportunity to give those guys everything and there's something about what I've seen with Ryan Ramchick and Andrew Speed those two guys alone Toronto Armstead is another one you need to focus in on but more importantly I think excuse me Toronto Armstead are going through all the offensive line names right now but Teron Armstead is one guy that absolutely needs to prove and show us as well as the, the team and the coaches that he can be healthy over a 17-game season, especially now that it is a 17-game long season. Because that's been the biggest issue with Teron Armstead more than anything. He's been a good player when he's on the field, but he gets hurt a lot. And when he gets hurt, it's a tough uphill climb for this team. If you have somebody like a Andrews Pete and Ryan Ramchick, you need a Toronto Armstead as well. And then you've also got, you know, Cesar Ruiz from a from this past season, this NFL draft, made, had a decent rookie season. You got, you know, Eric McCoy out of Texas A&M. He's done a heck of a job over there. So I think there's absolutely so much huge potential. And one of the big reasons why I keep saying it's huge is spoilers, this is where we're going with this program, with this franchise, is to build continuity in the offensive line. You build continuity in your offensive line, I think there's no doubt in my mind that the the sky is the limit for them because that's going to help protect one Jameis Winston. Because if all you do is just change up the entire, like, offense and you draw it up a certain way, I guarantee you, it's going to be very weird to see. Now, some of the NIL earlier, I just saw this pop up, that Spencer Rattler, who is out there grinding and getting all kinds, trying to get all these endorsement deals, and he just got a deal with Raising Canes. An endorsement deal, obviously, more in the Oklahoma area. More power to him, man. That's absolutely massive. I'm surprised I haven't seen any LSU players, at least that I've just noticed, Get deals with Raising Canes. 
And for the record, this is hot take here. And maybe I'll ask our next guest, Elliot Clough, what he gets with his canes. But this is the order to go with. And if you got another take, so be it. But this is hot take city here. First off, no slaw, extra fries, box combo. That is the way to be. I'm not a huge coleslaw guy, so the slaw can get out of there. Give me extra fries. I used to be extra toast until I found out about extra fries, and that was an ultimate life hack game changer. Yes, you can get extra toast and make yourself a little chicken sandwich with the toast, which is pretty good, but extra fries may be low-key the smartest thing Raising Cane's ever did. That's all I'm going to say there. I'm going to end it now. We'll be back after this right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. I'm going to talk with Elliot Clough about those New Orleans Pelicans. Famous CD is a five-tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Few Manchester United suppose. Sing the Manchester United song. Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7, the game. I, I would say it was joint in, in, in this sense that, you know, I... And I think you can understand this. I don't want to I don't want to be somewhere where they don't want me. Um right. And they didn't want me, and so I wasn't at that point gonna, you know, gonna fight to try to uh, to stay there. So it wasn't uh, a mutual decision. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. That was Stan Van Gundy talking about the breakup between him and the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll get to Elliot Clough momentarily. But let me tell you something. We've got some great stuff going on right now in our 103.7 The Game Clubhouse, including a chance to win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. If you love some fantastic seafood, this is the place to be. And I'd say the 103.7 The Game Clubhouse is also a great place to be because, spoilers, it's free to enter. It's free to join. It's free to enter all these contests and join in on the fun in the 103.7 The Game Clubhouse. You won't be spammed with a ton of emails. And more importantly, you'll get the opportunity to win phenomenal stuff like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. And you can only win by joining the 1037 The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com. It's just like the lottery. You can't win it if you're not in it. But now let's get over to the 1037 The Game hotline and talk a team that may be in it, but not necessarily anywhere close to winning, at least in some perspectives. And that is the New Orleans Pelicans with... Our guy, Elliot Clough of the Pelicans Plus Podcast. Thankfully, I have a wind mic where the P's and the B's don't pop nearly as much. With the Pelicans Plus Podcast, that is our guy, Elliot Clough. Elliot, how's it going, dude? I'm great, Quinn. I appreciate you having me on this morning. Plenty uh, <laughs> plenty to talk about right now, that's for sure. Exactly. But first things first, because I saw this pop up right before I went to break, and that is the fact that you've got Oklahoma quarterback Spencer Rattler has signed an endorsement deal with Raisin Canes, and we all love Raisin Canes here in the state of Louisiana. How do you order your your box combo? Oh boy, uh, I haven't. So for those of you who don't know, I am in Iowa, okay, and I've I've had Raisin Canes a couple times, but I couldn't even tell you, Clint. 
if we're being real. I'm, I'm cool. fully prepared for Pelicans talk. Was not prepared for this, I'll be honest. Well, I wasn't prepared to find out somebody got endorsed, and for what it's worth, it's all, for me, it's always going to be box combo, no slaw, extra fries. It's kind of a life hack. If, if you ever have Canes again, if they put it in Iowa, get that in your life, Elliot. But let's let's get to the Pelicans talk. And you just heard Stan Van Gundy talk about the fact that, quote-unquote, it wasn't a mutual decision in terms of like just the overall hierarchy of things. It was just more of a disagreement. And it's crazy to think about that because we wound up seeing the end-of-season interviews and everything seemed hunky-dory, and then a few weeks later, everything changes. Right, yeah. And, I, I mean, I wouldn't even say that everything was hunky-dory because there was speculation at that point in time too, right? I know Brandon Ingram, when he was asked about his relationship with Stan Van Gundy, he said, my relationship with, with Stan is okay. And we didn't really hear much about the, the players praising Stan or anything like that at all at that point in time. There were some rumors circulating, you know, the Sam Amick interview when he talked with, I think it was a radio station in Sacramento, where he said that there was some disconnect in in New Orleans and there were some articles circulating and, you know, rumbles here and there within the Pelicans media as well. And there was smoke. I wouldn't necessarily say there was a fire because we didn't see anything like we saw with, you know, the Pacers and Nate Bjorkren. But things really blew up four weeks after the end of the season, which was really interesting. I mean, Stan alluded to it on the podcast as well. Typically when somebody's fired, it it happens pretty much right away. And it was just interesting the way he phrased it too, in terms of the disconnect philosophically, because wouldn't you think that'd be something that they talked about in the hiring process last year? Am I crazy to think that? No, no, you're absolutely right. Like, why wasn't that part of the discussions in the hiring process about what the philosophy is? But it makes me wonder, like, is the was the has the hiring philosophy or the philosophy of the team changed in the last, let's say, like twelve months, or just say the nine months? Because you haven't even given the cat a full year to be in the system, to be with this franchise, and we're sitting here like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, maybe. Maybe there was just a misunderstanding initially going in. Maybe we're just being fed a false narrative. I mean, there may still be a difference in philosophy, but we know that the rumors that Dan Van Gundy isn't the easiest guy in the world to get along with. We know all about that. That was something we knew going into the season and going into the hire. Um, And maybe we're just not being told what the truth is because we know David Griffin has his way with words, that's for sure. Um, I would assume that the the disconnect is just the fact that Stan Van Gundy can't relate to today's today's player. He can't communicate with them effectively the way they need to be communicated with, and that's a big reason why there was that divide. Um, uh, Brandon Ingram is a kid who wants to work hard, but – I'm not sure if you saw the uh, the uh, the uh, video that I tweeted out, Clint, from Gilbert Arenas' podcast talking about Stan Van Gundy, but he's like, we all hate you so much. Like, how are we able to want to play for you? And I'm, I'm assuming, and I think it's a fair assumption, that that's probably something that happened in New Orleans. Oh, no doubt. There's got to be – it's something more to it than that, but it's like it's amazing to see how much it's changed. Talk right now with Elliot Clough pelicans plus podcast and just to see the entire thing just deteriorate over the course of a couple months and it feels like you know at least somewhat you know i think that stan van gundy like 
handle the interview well because you think about it, like especially if the rug was pulled out from underneath you at least that's what it seems like to me he didn't say like really truly too much unkind words about everybody involved even told even said Zion Williamson is not a coach killer which I think is the right thing to say to try and save try and at least save some of that franchise because it just feels like on paper like last weekend I was thinking you know this job probably felt like out of the three remaining with the Orlando Magic the New Orleans Pelicans, it's like I felt like out of the remaining jobs in the NBA, the Pelicans was probably the most intriguing simply because of the fact you have Zion Williamson. But with this recent news, do you think that changes some of these coaches' perspectives? Because it feels like we've just been waiting weeks to kind of find out who that next guy is. And SV, excuse me, David Griff is taking a jolly old time trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, you know, I, I think if there's any skepticism taking a job in New Orleans, it's with the front office. It's not with the players because this is the third coach in three years for Zion. It's the fourth coach in four years for Brandon Ingram, considering he's coming from Los Angeles where he had Luke Walton. And it might very well be the same thing for Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball if they're brought back, considering they're restricted free agents. And so, I mean, we just know that Griff likes to say one thing and do another, um, and whether it's just covering up his tracks or what have you, whether it's just, you know, he's got a silver tongue. I, it, it, that's, that's just something we've continued to see with what he's done in New Orleans. I mean, it, it's, it's very lacking in consistency, and the, the roster construction is definitely an issue. Now that Griff, I mean, he talked about that, talking about needing more shooting, toughness, IQ, and, and stuff of that, that nature – that would be my concern, is, is David Griffin, Trajan Langdon, Swin Cash, that front office, as opposed to the players and, and what you're seeing from, from the individuals I, I, on the roster. It's, it's Griff. It's, it's not the players. Oh, exactly. I'm, I'm amazed. You know, We haven't started hearing more and more about maybe some of the like tenuous relationship that David Griffin has with a lot of other people. Because it feels like that front office, and maybe it was just – a big mistake by New Orleans to go ahead and hire him. But, I mean, who else was there really to kind of t- have an opportunity to hire on as your next, like, EVP, especially after some guys did pull out of the opportunity? Right, yeah. I mean, that's the tough part about hiring new coaches, about hiring new executives, uh, anybody in the front office, is you can say, fire Griffin, you can say fire a Gentry, you can say fire Van Gundy, but who's going to replace him? Exactly. That's the thing. It's, it's, how are you going to, how are you going to upgrade? Because you can say fire, fire, fire all you want, but what's next? I mean, you think about it, the next step would probably be to sell a team, right? Especially if you want to, like, <laughs> like, like hypothetically, like, because I'm just thinking about this, this is like a must-win year for David Griffin. It's postseason. I'm talking not the play, not just getting into the play-in tournament hypothetically, but winning and advancing into the regular field, the field that's in place. That's the goal. Yep. And if you don't hit that, I feel like David Griffin's fired at the end of the year. And if that happens, then what? Like, are you just is the new guy going to fire the head coach because he wants to start a new and just largely become a grim reaper? This is it's win or chaos will ensue. That's what's happening, and you outlined it there because that's another deterrent for these incoming coaches. Is 
Griffin is going to be on the hot seat if he's not already included. And Trajan will probably be there along with him if the winning doesn't start quickly. And a young coach like a Willie Green or a Charles Lee isn't going to be given the opportunity to build. It's going to be, I mean, to a degree, sure, but the roster has to be constructed to win now, and they'll have to step in and lead right away and and lead them to winning right away. And if you're a first-time head coach in the NBA, the National Basketball Association, that isn't going to be easy, no matter what your credentials are. And And you're in the Western... And you're in the well, Western Conference. Say, oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, sorry, I'm a, And you're in the Western Conference. Like that's a damn yeah. near like, impossible task to be asked of anybody. Exactly. Exactly. And now, luckily, the the players get a, more of an off season this time around. They get more training camp. They get more practice. So it's not quite to the degree that it was this previous season with COVID. But it's still it's still not going to be easy. Like you said, that's a huge factor. The Western Conference, I've been saying it all year, it's an absolute bloodbath. With Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors being the, the I think they were the eighth seed going in, and then were ultimately uh, they were replaced by the, by the Grizzlies going into the playoffs, that's a complete indication of how difficult the Western Conference is because Steph Curry is the greatest shooter, arguably the greatest shot creator of all time, and he can't even get into the playoffs with how good the Western Conference is. it's It's been that way for years, and it makes me wonder, like, I understand when they added the Charlotte Hornets back, they put, were up in the Eastern Conference and the Pelicans were thrown into the West. It's like, that's why I'm just waiting for a team to just be at, bring back the Supersonics or a Las Vegas team and put the, put the Pelicans back in the Eastern Conference where they belong. Because it just feels like it fits so much better there. Because it's more of an opportunity for growth with somebody, a first-time head coach in the Western Conference. Good luck, God bless. You got to try and find somebody that is has that wherewithal to deal with all that pressure and all the BS that's been going on within that franchise. And getting to the meat and potatoes of this conversation, who do you think it's going to be? Is it going to be Charles Lee, or is it going to be Willie Green, or could we see you know a guy who David Griff wholeheartedly endorsed on the Stupidity Podcast? in maybe Fred Vinson. Right, yeah. Stan was all about Fred Vinson, and, and rightfully so, because Vinson is beloved in New Orleans. He's a piece of continuity, like Stan said, that these young guys haven't really had. And the one thing I will say about Vinson is, obviously, we all know, if you can fix Lonzo Ball's jump shot, you can do freaking anything. Like, <laughs> he can do anything he wants to. And he is amazing at what he does. And I've been saying it from the get-go. It makes me a little nervous throwing him into a head coaching position just because he's so phenomenal at what he's already doing. That is the only thing that makes me nervous. And just because he's phenomenal at what he does right now doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to him being a phenomenal head coach. That's, that's just a fact of life. Could he still be a phenomenal head coach? Could I be completely wrong for having this, you know, this little bit of nervousness? I could be, and I'd be absolutely happy about it. But for me right now, between Charles Lee and Willie Green, as far as I know, uh, Charles Lee is effectively out of the process unless Willie Green and and Fred Benson take a step back. Um, But my choice, purely because of that nervousness, that's false. Not purely because of the nervousness, but also because of how qualified Willie Green is and all the positive things I've heard about Willie Green. Green's probably going to be my choice because that way you can retain Fred Vinson. You can retain Teresa Weatherspoon. 
but you also get an NBA vet to lead these guys who's been under Monty Williams. And ironically, given that Monty Williams used to be the head coach of the Pelicans, Monty Williams is probably the personality and the type of coach that would fit really well with this roster. Willie Green's been under Monty Williams. He's been under Steve Kerr. He's seen winning. He's helped cultivate winning defense, and he's helped get players to buy in to playing defense. So I'm a huge Willie Green guy, but I also would not be upset if if Fred Benson or Charles Lee ultimately got this job because they're both qualified as well. Elliot, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Again, I appreciate you coming on, especially because you had a birthday party. You were at a little early birthday party. So go enjoy that and enjoy the rest of your weekend, brother. Hey, appreciate you, Clint. Before I go, I would like to uh, promote, yo, folks, I had, uh, let me think of his name, Dwayne Rankin as Suns Insider on the podcast to talk a little bit about Willie Green recently. If you're interested at all, if you want to know anything more about Willie Green, check that out. Dwayne was awesome. He's Like I said, he's an insider, so he had a couple stories that people may not know about. So I, I would recommend that highly. So, again, thanks so much for having me on, Clint. This was fun. Once again, I appreciate you, Elliot. You can follow him on Twitter. That's Elliot with one L, Clough, C-L-O-U-G-H. Appreciate him coming on once again. And we'll take a quick timeout, wrap up hour number one with an interesting take about some of the lines that have, came, that have come out. Because week one of the college football season is about two months away. And that means Cajuns, Texas, the line came out. The opening line. The line's changed since. I'll give you an update on that. But I'll give my thoughts on that opening line and how much I wanted just to hammer down on it next. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules, and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD, who will break it all down for us. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Coming to you live from the first South Farm Credit Studios. Wrapping up hour number one in style. And by the way, we got Astros baseball tonight. The Astros have won two straight. And looks like they're trying to turn it into a winning streak. Because as Major League once said, three games in a row, that's a winning streak. And spoilers, it has happened before. But the Astros will take on the Indians tonight. First pitch, I believe it's going to be set for, I think it's 6-10, 6 It's a weird time today. 6-15. 6-15, first pitch, 5-40 pregame show and you'll hear all the action right here on Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7 The Game. And I mentioned late, late late last week when the week one college football lines dropped. I was so glad that they finally dropped for the full week, or at least somewhat. So like some of the odds haven't been put out yet, like Campbell, Liberty, Bibberty, Troy, Southern. Those are probably just going to remain off the table. I'm surprised a game like Auburn-Akron, a 35.5 point spread, is actually being openly considered. Baylor-Texas State has a 10-point spread. I'm kind of surprised at that. But the biggest one I was surprised about was a 14-and-a-half opening line for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns in Texas. If that line stayed the same and we were able to sports bet right now today here in Louisiana, 
I would mean a trip up to Baton Rouge and or Lake Charles or if they had a sports booking up in Opelousas at Evangeline Downs, I guarantee you I would have been throwing money on a 14.5 point spread for the Cajuns to, co- to cover that game. Keyword there, to cover that contest. 14.5 point spread. Give me the green line on that. Now it's dipped down a lot. It's dipped down, and I say a lot, it's a couple points. It's now 13 points according to BetNow and Bet Online and Sports Betting. Those are currently 12 point dogs, are the Cajuns. That is a lot tougher of a line I wouldn't be willing to take. I would much rather take a take a 14 and a half because that gives you an enormous chance to just really cash in if it's a two point loss for the Cajuns. And obviously if they pull off an up pull off a seismic upset, the conversation really changes. But 12 point spread right now I'd probably throw down the, the ducats on Texas to cover that. A while back, I saw BetNow actually had a 17, it should be 16 and a half point spread. Again, that number's gone down significantly. I would have taken that in a heartbeat. Like two. Because again, anything more than two, anything less than two touchdowns, I am wary about. But if it if it goes up again and goes to 14. Take the famous CD's word to the bank. That's it. Hour one's done. Hour two coming up next. We'll continue our conversation with the NIL. And if you want to get in and talk about anything, 337-706-0111 is where you need to be. Back after this. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. And welcome back. Hour two of two and away we go. Hopefully you're having a good one so far on this fantastic Saturday, 4th of July Eve. And of course, appreciate you listening in. And we're coming to you live from the first South Farm Credit Studios. Hear this worldwide. And you can hear this worldwide on 1037thegame.com, the free mobile app, your favorite smart speaker, but also you can listen to us. If you're in the Acadian area, you're within our listing range. You can check a check a check us out on that old school Tower of Power FM dial. He is the Tower of Power. He is too sweet to be sour. He is the rap master. There is no other. There is no equal. The man. And I am the man bringing you all the great sports talk for the next 60 minutes or so. Coming up at 1130, we got Ian Castleberry joining the program. We'll talk some MLB. And boy, we got a lot to talk about. Namely, I think Shohei Otani's a name that's springing to mind right now, especially after last night. We'll talk about that and so much more with him. 
at 10.30. We'll wrap up the show with one final take. And Shikari Richardson will definitely be a part of the conversation. If you want to get in on the hottest topics of the day, the phone lines are open till about 10.30. 337-706-0111. And before I even finish saying a word, we got somebody on the line. Let's get to it. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. What's up, CD? Hey, T, what's good, brother? All right, you, my man. I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It's, again, 4th of July weekend. It's pretty decent weather, at least for right now. I don't know, mind you, I don't have windows. I don't know what it's like right now, but when I made my way in, pretty decent morning. So how are you doing, brother? I'm doing great, uh, CD. Well, uh, I just wanted to touch you. I wanted to ask you a question about the, the new paid, you know, athletes. Yeah. You know I'm a lot older than you, right? So I'm yeah. kind of old school. Do you think there's going to be a lot of jealousy on a team? You I know, I don't necessarily think so, T. And here's the thing: it's the it's not like oh hey, you know, like literally, it's it's not going to be oh hey, you know, guys like Derek Stingley Jr., Miles Brennan, all these guys have an equal opportunity to eat. Yeah, sometimes it may be like oh hey, you know, some people might be flexing a little bit more the amount of money they're making what have you, but it's the fact that they're actually able to have that opportunity to make money. I think there's not going to be as much tension as some might think. I think it's the fact that everybody's going to have an equal opportunity to make as much money as humanly possible. I think if, as of right now, people are just glad they're going to be making money. And you know, like, eventually, and I talked about it earlier when I opened up the show, talking about potentially the EA Sports NCAA college football game coming back into our lives. That's going to be an equal part of the revenue that they're going to wind up being able to make going forward. So I wouldn't be surprised if these guys, even if some guys making markedly less than like, let's say I brought up Hersey Miller, somebody from Tennessee state master P son is making $2 million off a deal while pl- before he's even stepped on the court for Tennessee state. I'm sure maybe some players are going to be upset about that, but it is what it is. You got to you gotta appreciate the fact that guys out are out there making their money now because there's only like a 1% they're going to make their money in the future. Did you uh, read that article on the old Miss quarterback, Matt Corral? Matt Corral. Did he get an endorsement with Golden Corral? No. <laughs> Damn it. No, but that's a good one, CD. Man, I love that one. Like, like why not? This guy wants, he wants $10,000 an hour to play. Just to hang out with him? No, to play. That's what he's asking for. He wants ten thousand dollars an hour to be the quarterback at Ole Miss. I I hadn't seen that. I'm seeing like he says like basically if you want to hang out with him for about an hour, it's I think ten thousand yeah ten thousand dollars. It's not to play. It's actually just to hang out with him because they got something similar I, to that with him. Uh, Nolan Smith and or Georgia linebacker or Indiana quarterback who's definitely made his name over the last couple of uh, the last season is Michael Penix. He's offering five hundred dollars to hang out with an athlete for an hour. Okay, well, I, I guess I read it wrong. I, I thought it was to play. I was like, that's absurd, you know. God. Yeah, ten thousand dollars. Family made that, you know. No, exactly. So, anyway, well, look, CD. I'll let somebody else get in, man. Good talking to you, brother. Uh, same here, brother. Same here. And if you want to get in, 337-706-0111. But seriously, Matt Corral, Golden Corral, maybe a missed opportunity from him to make some serious dinero 
Because I'm sure I'm sure there is a Golden Corral like out in Oxford. I'm sure they they sponsor something. I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to look it up now because I'm interested. You see, there is a Golden Corral in Oxford. Apparently, it doesn't show it like readily available on the Google Maps or on just the Google machine, the basic version of it. But if I type in Golden Corral, Oxford, there is one. So I'm certain they, they'd be willing to go ahead and throw down some ducats for that guy. I, I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. But Matt Corral, there's this thing called, and I didn't know about this till he just brought it up. T brings this up, and this is called Dreamfield. You can hang out with NCAA athletes, and it could be a lot of people. Like, let's say Mackenzie Milton out of Florida State University. He's offering $2,000 an hour to hang out with him. There's a lot of other trending guys. De'Ara King's one of them. That's $2,000. Samuel Jackson, not Samuel L. Jackson. Sorry, that's not the case. He's offering he's $500 an hour. And I want to see if I can find... Okay, Nolan Smith is $500. i am trying to see any other names worth bringing up on this conversation. But this is an opportunity where you can just like really rack up some money if you're a player. Of course, Matt Corral may be in that anomaly and throwing like, $10,000 because he doesn't want to waste his time doing this. But hey, if he gets $10,000 to hang out with a person for an hour, that is absolutely badass. But some of the NIL, I want to get to something else. More of a interesting topic is the top five Louisiana players that would have thrived with the name, image, and likeness rules that are in place now since the year 2000. I'm going since the year 2000 for a very specific reason because I talked about it with David Grubb yesterday on, on uh, Crunch Time. I was wanting to say hard in the paint. That's his podcast, which you can check out online, however you get your podcast, just like you do with this show. You can check us out on demand, 1037thegame.com, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Just search Under the Dome with CD if you miss anything. Because that's how I usually do. I go listen to it. I go listen back to it. I like to learn and improve a little bit. But I wanted to come up with five Louisiana players in my mind that would have absolutely thrived since the year 2000. And there'll be some interesting names. If you want to throw some in, again, this is the year 2000. And I'll preface by saying this. I'm taking Tyran Matthew off the board. And I think it's the fact that he missed out on an opportunity to like absolutely profit like crazy, like gangbusters, because he did get kicked off the team. He sure he would have made his money, I believe. But still, I feel like some of the bad stuff that some of the stuff that was going on with him behind the scenes probably would have hurt his bottom dollar and he probably would have not made nearly as much money in his career as he could have. He, there was so, so much potential, but I'm taking him off, off the board for that specific reason. I'll give you my also receiving votes first. And I'll also kind of say, I think Honey Badger would be in that number. Tyra Matthew, probably that one year would have made more money than probably five and four combined in my mind. But my four also receiving votes, I had four. It's Jarvis Landry, Leonard Fournette, Ben Simmons, Antoine Duplantis. I think Juice would absolutely make bank. And he'd be like very close to being a guy that would absolutely just crush it. But I didn't feel like going all LSU. I felt like going a little bit more wild card. Leonard Fournette, same kind of thing. The Booga Nation brand, he would have been going crazy and gangbusters in this world. Ben Simmons, a one-and-done cat, he would have made so much money that one year. 
because people were hyping him up so much as a bona fide first-round pick out of Montford Academy. I am almost certain he would have made some serious dough. And then Twani. I'm giving Antoine Duplantis a lot of love because I think he's, he's a hell of a player, hell of a, hell of a hitter. I think there's no doubt in my mind that they, he'd have hitting camps everywhere and he'd be charging like some really good dollars for like the top players, top young kids in the country or in the state, I should say, to come over and be part of this. I think he would have made hand over fist, especially because he was there for four years. And I'm sure that's going to make some players, especially on, I'm thinking on the baseball front strictly because we see it all the time. Summer camps, these guys can make tons of money doing these camps on a regular basis, being part of these things and attaching their name to it. Like, let's say, you know, Trey Morgan launches his own hitting camp and you're a parent that has a kid that is getting good at baseball. Is a, It looks to be a solid hitter. If you want to improve his game, go to Trey Morgan, Dylan Cruz, insert LSU player here, or insert, like, using Brennan Bro as another example. Here in Lafayette, people would pay hand over fist for that kind of stuff while he was in college in that. He'd be another strong name to be put in the ARV. But I feel like he's going to be a little bit below. And again, he had an opportunity, he could have had an opportunity if he had been a few years behind. But number five, I got to go Terrence Broadway. I think Terrence Broadway, especially with the time that he was with the Cajuns during that era when people were going to those games on a regular basis, one of the highest attendance numbers in years, there's no reason why Terrence Broadway couldn't have made a ton. He could have probably had like endorsements everywhere. I think Broadway would have been making tons of money. That's number five on my list. Number four, it's a lot like Antoine Duplantis. There would be pitching camps in Louisiana with Gunner Leger attached to it. He'd probably have multiple camps, pitching camps over the summer months. He would just having his name attached to it. And it's the fact that he had such longevity in his career. Yes, his career was derailed due to Tommy John, but you still have the name attached. He actually can help with the technique a lot. I'm almost certain he'd be making a good bit of change just putting his name attached to that at number four. Number three, going LSU basketball, going more towards the mid-2000s LSU basketball, Glenn Big Baby Davis. I think guys like Shaq, Chris Jackson, now Mahmoud Abdul-Rove, he would have made a ton of money from this NIL stuff. Glenn, he he would have been building like a big baby brand. Well before Big Baller Brand existed, we would have had the three Bs. Glenn, excuse me, Big Baby Brand. And that would have been absolutely huge for him in his future. And I wish he had that opportunity. Because Big Baby Davis was that big personality, and he's the guy that you remember the most from that 2006 LSU team that made the Final Four with John Brady as the head coach. So he's definitely at the top of the list for me. Number two would be Odell Beckham Jr. I think there's no way that OBJ wouldn't be making like hand. I, I say hand over fist, but saying that a lot. But tell me that he would not be like absolutely raking in hundreds of thousands of dollars in endorsements, if not millions of dollars in endorsements. Like he was an amazing player even then, and he he made LSU look like a really good quarterback 
program passing team. So I think Odell Beckham Jr. is number two on the list. Number one, we got to go Joe Burrow, right? His last year at LSU, the amount of like records he was putting up, the way he was crushing it, I guarantee you he'd be making a ton of money with that. And I'm sure, and again, I'm thinking Joe Burrow, if Joe Burrow was still around, and I think in the next couple of years, we hear all this talk about NFTs. If NFTs are still a thing in the not-too-distant future, I guarantee you guys like Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence would have been making bank because people would have been making NFTs of them after the game ended. They would have been able to get the rights to have the footage. Somebody would be filming that footage of Joe Burrow throwing a touchdown pass to Jamar Chase or Jettas. I guarantee you the money made from that would be massive because the NFT market was absolutely insane and popping off with the uh, NBA top shot and stuff like that. We see it popping off, like the card market popping off a lot in terms of the physical trading cards with like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. Even the NFL cards are making are pretty damn good in terms of the price. Like I was seeing some really cool cards pop up on my feed recently. So I think this would be absolutely massive for a lot of other players. So I think in my mind, just to recap, my, my top five Louisiana players in my mind that probably would have thrived the most with the name, image, and likeness since the year 2000. If you have some takes, 337-706-0111. We'll get them in the break. For me, it's number five, Terrence Broadway. Number four, Gunnar Leger. Number three, Glenn Big Baby Davis. Odell Beckham Jr. and Joe Burrow as my top five since the year 2000. Obviously, if it, if you go back further, I'd say a guy like Jake DeLone, Brandon Stokely would probably be in that conversation. Shaq, no doubt in my mind, Feezy K would be in there. If Feezy K is not in your top five in this, in terms of players since like in the from the 90s, I don't know what the hell you're doing. He would absolutely be making like major bank. All right, it's out of the dome with CD. We'll be back after this. I'm gonna talk about the whole Reggie Bush situation and how he's asking for his like his Heisman Trophy back, and the Heisman Trust had an interesting statement. I'll talk about that next right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037, the game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037, the game, and 1037thegame.com. Coming to you live from the first South Farm Credit Studios. And I gotta say, we got all kinds of great stuff available for you right now inside the 1037 The Game Clubhouse, namely Misfits Dine and Drink. It's pretty apropos. I think 1037 The Game, we're not, we're not quite the band of misfits we probably used to be, but I think still, if we had the opportunity, Misfits Dine and Drink would probably be the unofficial home of 1037 The Game after we punch out for the day. It has an apropos name. It's out in Broussard. It's some great stuff. More importantly, you can enter in for a chance to win a $40 gift card to Misfits Dine and Drink out in Broussard. i got to make sure to slow down when I say that. 
So make sure to sign up today in the 1037 The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com. Free to join, and more importantly, it is free to enter. I've talked about it before. Go sign up today because the old saying goes, and if you've ever played the lottery, you know this old saying, you can't win it if you're not in it. Going to be talking to our guy, Ian Castleberry, in about seven or eight minutes or so. But one of the big things coming out of the NIL fallout is some of the former players. And one in particular is Reggie Bush. And he has a lot to say on this front. And he actually said that he wants his Heisman Trophy back more than anything. Which he's got every right to say that. He's probably wanted to say that for years. But now he has an opportunity to really use this new NIL thing to his full advantage to try and push this thing. Now, the Heisman Trust came out with a statement yesterday afternoon, and maybe it was a case of passing the buck. I'll read the statement for you. Quote, Bush's 2005 season records remain vacated by the NCAA, and as a result, under the rules set forth by the Heisman Trust and stated on the Heisman ballot, he is not eligible to be awarded the 2005 Heisman Memorial Trophy. And the trust went on to say, should the NCAA reinstate Bush's 2005 status, the Heisman Trophy looks forward to welcoming him back to the Heisman family, end quote. Again, Reggie Bush has every right to say that, and the Heisman Trust just basically said, put it on the NCAA, have them reinstate the records. And I don't think that's ever going to happen in my mind. Because it just feels like that is a uphill climb and then some for this franchise, for this company, for this organization in the NCAA to go ahead and, you know, just turn it around and turn around and say, hey, we're going to reinstate your records just so you can get your Heisman Trophy. But I think they should do it. I think they should. Because, let's be honest, he's going to continue to talk about it until it actually happens. And I'm amazed that we're seeing this be one of the bigger headlines. With Reggie Bush, he's not demanding. He's just asking to get his Heisman Trophy back after and after all. They had a four-year investigation about extra benefits that was determined he and his family members got while he was a student-athlete. They accepted cash, travel expenses, and even a home in San Diego where his parents lived rent-free for more than a year, and they were provided $10,000 to furnish that home. There was a lot of stuff going on. It was like basically Bush had to dissociate himself from the school, a two-year postseason ban, and vacated victories over the course of a couple of years, including the 2004 BCS National title game and 30 scholarships lost. And in the last year, Bush has brought himself back into the program because his 10-year disassociation came to an end last June. So I think there's an opportunity to where they give him this opportunity back. But again, I feel like it's a lot like how we hear all the time about, you know, now that we're seeing more and more states legalize marijuana. And we'll talk about that probably a little bit later in the show, more towards the front of one person in particular, and that is, you know, Shikari Richardson. 
We'll talk about that more a little bit later on in the show. But I think they do need to reconsider in moving some things around when it comes to this idea and having this and having this conversation. It's time to have a conversation about what the future holds for Reggie Bush and the Heisman Trust because I think they absolutely need to. Again, it's it's hard to retroactively do this kind of stuff, at least from my POV from a 1,000 yards out. But I think it's it'd be the right thing to do if you're the NCAA. If you want to show good faith. Now, what happens with a lot of other guys that have maybe, you know, been in trouble due to other maybe recruiting violations of the same kin? I don't know. There's a lot of questions surrounding it. Hell, I mean, you can kind of go to what the LHSA's done in recent times with Catholic Eye of Baton Rouge and their investigation. And then they were sanctioned pretty roughly, but it may have been the right thing. But then again, then again that's just this is my opinion. I think it's well past time to kind of pull the pull this off and get this thing in place. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll be back with more of Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Going to be bringing on Ian Castleberry. Talk some MLB baseball next right here on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Numbers don't lie, because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. And they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037, The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 1037, The Game, and 1037thegame.com. And if you want to step up your fashion game, you want to look like yours truly, the world famous CD. If you see me on the simulcast on 32.3 and 133 on LUS, when we're doing our weekday shows, this show, sadly, or maybe a good thing, it's not simulcast on Stadium 32.3. If you flip it on over there right now, you'll see some, like, I don't know, some weird documentary. I think it's about parkour or something. It's, it's one of those, like, yeah, I think that's actually what it is right now. But that's besides the point. If you want to step up your fashion game, go visit the 1037 Game Clubhouse, and you can cash in 100 points to score free merch, like 1037 Game shirts or a face mask. Yes, I know face masks may be a little bit more passe now that we're starting to get towards the tail end of the pandemic. At least, hopefully we are. You can step up your fashion game today either way by joining the 1037 Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com. It's free to enter and free to join. So what the heck are you waiting for? And what am I waiting for? I need to bring on our next guest. That is Ian Calsberry. We'll talk some MLB right now. Ian, first off, how the heck you doing, my man? I'm doing great. I'm going to I'm gonna try and get one of those uh, 1037 game t-shirts. Hell yeah, go for it, man. You know, again, just join in right now in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and you'll get in on the action. And we played that promo, Comeback from Break, talking about sports movies what's your favorite baseball sports movie we'll start off there 
You know, I, I'm objectively, I'm not sure it's a great movie, but my favorite baseball movie is Major League. Thank uh, you. I just think it's, it, it has so many quotable lines. It's just really funny. Uh, I mean, objectively, maybe Bull Durham is, is a better movie, but uh, I, I always have a section for Major League. All right, so you bring up Bull Durham. I think Bull Durham is undoubtedly an amazing movie in and of itself, just in terms of the realism and how realistic it is, especially with minor league baseball, especially because I mean, you're, you're based out of North Carolina. I think it's, it feels almost sacrilege, right, to not say Bull Durham, huh? Right. I mean, Crash Davis ends up uh, playing for the Asheville Tourists. That's where I am, Asheville. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely live in, uh, in in minor league country here. So, yeah, yeah, I guess it does seem a little sacrilegious. But, yeah, I mean, Major League, it's over the top. There's stuff that happens in the games and spring training and stuff that wouldn't happen in real life. But it's funny. Exactly. No, it's a, it, like you said, it's a very, very, very quotable movie, highly entertaining and, and the cast of characters is absolutely amazing. Now, Major League Two, I gotta say, is pretty high up there as well. Some because it's 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 cheesy as hell. You don't have Wesley Snipes in there, but damn, if I don't love that movie every time I watch it. Yeah, it's good. The, the third one, what was it? Back to the Miners? Or we don't. We don't, we, don't was terrible. we don't talk about but, Back uh, to the Miners. It's like it's like when you talk about like the Revenge of the Nerds after the second one. We <laughs> we don't talk about them. They they don't exist. Right, that, that, that sequel doesn't exist. Yeah, Major League Two is also fun, and uh, oh, I can't remember who's uh, who's the main character in that. Anyway, I, I don't want to waste time with that. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was a good sequel for uh, you know, considering they brought most of the guys back other than Wesley Snipes. Uh, you know, take another swing at it. Yeah. Oh, no, there's no doubt in my mind that you got to take that opportunity. But let's let's flip it over to actual, honest to god baseball, and is. <laughs> Is Shohei Otani even human? I think that's the first question I'll throw out oh. there. 30 home runs, 10 stolen bases, and he hit that 30 mark last night with a really good home run and then showed off his base running skills at the end of the game with a walk, uh, helping the Angels get a win. I was like, what the hell is going on? It's like, is Shohei Otani even human? Because he's able to play both ways extremely well. He can do it all, and you know he, he's an outstanding pitcher. He was just uh, voted to the All Star team this week. But both of those home runs last night, I mean, he he hits the high fastball, cranks it out of the park. That's a pitch that a lot of major league hitters cannot touch right now. Uh, and then he hit his second home run, opposite field, just crushed. He can hit anywhere in the strike zone. To me, that's what's so amazing to watch him. I mean, he can hit it high. You try to bust him inside, he'll turn and pull it. You try to pitch him outside, he can hit it to the opposite field. Um, it's it's really hard to believe that before Shohei Otani went to the majors, uh, there was some talk and that he, you know, maybe he, he wasn't going to be able to handle major league pitching. And it just becomes more apparent each time you watch him. And it's a little bit too bad that the Angels are on the West Coast, that, that you know, baseball's two best players to watch right now. Are, you know, you have to stay up kind of late to watch them. Uh, in this part of the country, but we've just never seen anything like Shohei Otani. We had no idea how he was going to handle major league pitching, and he's made the adjustments. Uh, he had a healthy off season last year because I mean, he didn't have a great year uh, last year with the shortened season and so forth. But he went into the off season healthy for the first time, so he was really able to work on his swing. From what I understand, he he really concentrated on strengthening his lower half, and I think that's really allowed him the power 
to reach every pitch, especially outside, high uh, in the strike zone, that he can use his legs and his, and his hips to really drive the ball. And isn't it crazy that you have, you know, like you brought up it's a shame that they're on the West Coast. It's a shame that the Los Angeles Angels are just one game below five hundred right now and currently fourth out of five in the AL West, which has been highly competitive with the Astros and the A's. But like it's crazy to think that they have possibly two of the best players and two of the most like intriguing players in baseball in Mike Trout, who's continually in the MVP conversation besides despite being on probably a really crappy team, and then Shohei Otani, who's one of the best two-way players in baseball history based off of what he's done just this season alone. I mean, I, I just pulled up this stat because I just got my stat head newsletter not long ago, long ago, and it's crazy to think that there's only two people that have ever done the 30 and 10 of what we're talking about, 30 home runs and 10 stolen bases through 76 games. That's Shohei and Sammy Bleepin' Sosa. Oh, man. Yeah, there's really no comparison, and, and we're not even talking about the pitching either, which you know, he's, he's uh, pitching really well, too. I mean, he's, he's probably the Angels' best starting pitching pitcher. And unfortunately, starting pitching is the reason why the Angels are wasting the talent of Mike Trout, uh, Shohei Otani. You could argue Albert Pujols before they let him go. They signed Anthony Rendon. But the, uh, the, the front office there, ownership, has never really been able to build a pitching staff. And I was talking about this with someone else the other day. The Angels really wanted Garrett Cole. Um, obviously, he signed with the Yankees. But how would that have changed the fortune of this team? Like It probably would have been either or Garrett Cole or Anthony Rendon. But you stick an ace-level starting pitching on that staff. Uh, now, maybe they still wouldn't be in the playoff race. They probably still would be behind the Astros and the A's, but you got to think they would be up there with the Mariners and maybe in contention for a wild card spot if they had an ace level starting pitcher. Talk right now, Ian Cassaberry, but you know, we'll, we'll stick with the ALS for a minute because it's absolutely amazing to see how like hot that race has been, especially for the battle for first. Cause you had like the Houston Astros in like last week heading into a double header. They had last Saturday they were on an eleven-game win streak, yet they're only they were only a couple day, games ahead of the Oakland A's. The Oakland A's were holding their own, just basically fighting off the the red-hot Houston Astros. And now the Astros currently two and a half games up. As we approach the All Star break, I think they took full advantage of this like light schedule that they had. In that, because we're nearing the end of the twenty games and twenty day gauntlet they had with you know the Detroit Tigers, the Baltimore Orioles, and you had them twice, and you got swept against them the second time, but we don't talk about that. And then you have, obviously, <laughs> the series with the Indians. Right now, you've taken two out of four. Mind you, you're taking advantage of a Cleveland Indians team that is basically bereft of any good starting pitching now. What can you say about the AL West now? Like, interesting it is, because you got, it's not necessarily you know the Astros running away with it or the A's running away with it. Is these two teams just trading blows left and right? Yeah, I think we're going to see that through the second half of the season. The A's are not going to go away. They might make a, a deadline deal. You know, they've always kind of been sneaky about getting that one hitter maybe you didn't expect or, or, or a starting pitcher. And the Astros, of course, you know, at, at the deadline, I, I assume they're going to pursue some pitching. Obviously, their their offense is incredible. They lead the Amer- they lead the major leagues in runs uh, and run differential. 
they, they're allowing, even though they're allowing the second fewest runs in the American League, uh, you know, if you add uh, a top starting pitcher to, to that staff, I, I think that could be the difference uh, in the AL West race. But yeah, I don't think, I don't think they're going to be able to shake the A's throughout the second half. They just, the A's just won't go away. They don't have that long losing streak. They just play yeah. consistently well. Meanwhile, looking at the NL side of things on the NL West, what the hell is going on with the San Francisco Giants? That team came out of nowhere, and they're currently leading the NL West by a half a game when you have the Dodgers and the Padres in the same division? Like, what is going on there? It's amazing. You look at, at that lineup, that pitching staff, and other than Buster Posey, uh, and maybe some baseball fans you know, know Kevin Gausman from his time w- with the Orioles and, and the Braves. But th- th- it's a no-name lineup. I mean, getting Buster Posey back and him being healthy, I mean, he's playing MVP caliber baseball. But that wouldn't be enough for uh, the Giants to be in contention and be ahead of the Dodgers and Padres in the NL West, which is incredible. But they've really, you know, for, for people who, who think that, that analytics uh, have taken over baseball to its detriment, I would point at the San Francisco Giants. I mean, they are able to take pitchers and, and, and through uh, their data, their analytics, their scouting, you know, they, they take a guy like Kevin Gosman who has four pitches, but they say they looked at him and said, you know, okay, two of them, your slider and your curve, you're not really getting guys out with that. So why don't you stay with the fastball? Why don't you stay with the slider? And uh, You know, you, you need more than two pitches to be an effective starting pitcher. But throw the two that you know really well and then mix in those other two to keep hitters off balance. And it's really changed Gosman. Uh, he's been one of the best uh, pitchers in the National League this season. And then their offense, they lead the, they lead the majors in home runs, I believe, which is yeah. incredible for a bunch of guys who, again, other than Posey, you don't really know anyone in that lineup, but they just have a lot of really good. Maybe they don't have a great player, but they kind of remind me of those Yankees teams of the mid nineties where maybe other than Derek Jeter, they didn't have a quote unquote great player, but they just had seven, eight guys who were really good playing really good baseball, good fundamental baseball. Uh, Gabe Kapler, he's shown that he is a good manager. I know he got fired from the Phillies, but I think that's an indictment on the Phillies front office and the, and the roster they were able to get, give him. Kapler works a lot better with Farhan Zaidi and a, a analytically based front office, and they're able to take advantage of matchups, get the right guy in the lineup, get the right matchup in a game, and it's been obviously extremely effective. And you brought up Kevin Gossman. Don't you dare hate on a former LSU Tiger and, and Kevin Gossman. He's been an absolute. <laughs> he's been really good. He's part. He's like the bright spot of a really crappy Orioles team when he was there, but he's definitely kind of shined a lot this season. But it's just still weird to see them, especially in a division that seemingly is absolutely stacked. It could very well just have both wildcard participants be from the NL West. You see a team potentially like a Chicago Cubs or even a Washington Nationals who are a couple years removed from winning a World Series not be in that conversation. But we'll stick with the NL for a moment. What do, you, what do you think about the New York Mets? Because it feels like somehow, some way, a week away from the All Star break beginning, they're forty-one and thirty-six, and they're seemingly on top of the world right now. The NL East. They have the pitching. They've always had the pitching, led by Jacob Degrom, but their offense has needed to come around. And I, and I think what the Mets really needed to uh, finally separate themselves from the rest of the pack. I know the Nationals are are creeping up on them, and they will be in the wild card race, but. 
Francisco Lindor uh, turning himself around. I mean, he had just had an abysmal first two months of the season, and maybe he's still trying to find himself a little bit, but he is able to drive the ball now, get on base, uh, you know, create some havoc on the base path. I think maybe the pressure of being traded to New York and being signed to that big contract immediately, I think Lindor maybe let that get into his head a little bit, put a lot of pressure on himself. But he has the potential, other than Ronald Acuna Jr. with Atlanta, Lindor has the potential to be the best player in that division. Juan Soto is another star. But I think uh, it's going to come down to to the deadline maybe. you know, Can the Mets add maybe another bat? Uh, they probably don't need another starting pitching, but if they get bullpen help, there are always relievers available at the deadline. I think it is going to come down uh, between the Mets uh, and the Nationals. Unfortunately, I think the Braves are just, even though they have Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, their pitching staff has just been a mess all season, and, and I think it's, it's just too big a project to fix on the fly uh, during the regular season. Ian, one more before I let you go, because you brought up the Asheville Tourist a little bit earlier, and it kind of slipped my mind for a moment that they are now the Astros' kind of high-A affiliate for yeah, the Houston Astros after like because they were like an affiliate for the Astros for a little while back in the 80s and early 90s. Thank you for having Craig Biggio a part of that team. But what's that been like <laughs> see, seeing that kind of franchise that that minor league system kind of come up? Because it feels like they've just always been under the radar. Especially mind you, it's obviously a high A. More after the MLB draft, you see a lot of these young guys kind of get their start. It's been fun. I mean, uh, before uh, rejoining the Astros system, they, they were a Colorado Rockies affiliate um, for the past, I think, 15 years maybe, uh, certainly so, since I've lived here uh, the past 11 years, and they were a low-A team for the Rockies. So that's been really fun because at the low-A level, you probably we have gotten guys who were top draft picks, you know, David Dahl, Trevor Story, uh, Kyle Freeland came, you know, r- right out of the draft, or maybe uh, right after playing uh, in the fall rookie league, starting the next season. So we've seen a lot of talent here uh, in Asheville. Uh, they've won some South Atlantic League championships, um, and a lot of those guys. Again, I mentioned David Dahl, Ryan McMahon. Uh, they're on the ma- they're in the major leagues right now, uh, either with the the Rockies or in Dahl's case uh, with the Texas Rangers. Uh, so it is exciting to to see the the tourists move up another level uh, and to get arguably some some better talent to watch uh, from the Astros system. But I, I get the feeling that this season, especially you know with uh, no minor league season last year, and this is the first year uh, that fans have really been able to. Uh, see the tourists in action, and I think they're still familiarizing themselves a bit with uh, the Astro system after following the, the Rockies minor league for so long. But uh, it, it is going to be very exciting uh, to have a, a high A uh, level of minor league uh, talent from the from the Astro system here. Ian, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your 4th of July weekend, dude. Hey, you too, Clint. Thanks so much for having me on. All right, that was... Our guy, Ian Castleberry, you can follow him on Twitter. If you want some baseball or just general you know, sports talk, he's your guy, at Ian Cass. Appreciate him joining the program. We'll wrap up the show next. One final take, and we're definitely talking Shikari Richardson next, right here on 103.7 The Game at 103.7thegame.com.
Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. Welcome back. One final segment. And I got to say, the Olympic Committee, the IOC, the WADA, it's a bad look with Shikari Richardson being suspended for the old Mary Jane, the marijuana, the weed. Got suspended for that. A horrible look. Suspended for 30 days. Is going to miss out an opportunity to be part of the 100-meter dash and without a doubt probably be a ratings boon for NBC because she's going to be facing off against one of the fastest women in the world out in Jamaica. The name escapes me right now. But it's also kind of sort of hypocritical on a lot of different fronts because, you know, and I'm bringing up Michael Phelps for a reason because Michael Phelps got busted for pot after the Olympics in 2009. Lost sponsorships, was suspended for like I think six months. But seeing that still be on the list of banned substances when it's not a performance-enhancing drug, like there's no way that's a performance-enhancing drug in any way. I'd say it's, I mean, it's not a steroid. It's definitely not that. Then you also have a situation with, you know, USADA. I saw this pop up. And this is more UFC-esque, but Mary Jane is no longer really, like, looked at as a banned substance according to USADA. It's more of a WADA and an IOC situation rather than in USADA. That's basically where it's at. And it's disappointing. Because this was a golden another opportunity for the U.S. to win a gold medal, and at the end of the day, that's what this all is. And it's disappointing because that would have been the most entertaining part of the entire damn thing. Like I'm telling you now, I'm not necessarily as hyped up on that that particular matchup. I'm more hyped about everything else that's going to be going on now. The relay race to see how she performs. Because there's no doubt in my mind, she's going to absolutely feast on some opponents. That said, hopefully we do see her compete. We just don't know yet if that's going to happen. But that's about all we got for Under the Dome with Sini this week. We'll be back next week. And we'll start to really turn the page on football season. We'll start to turn the page and start talking some college and pro football. Because I got some thoughts, some analysis, and we're going to have a whole lot of fun right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Back with you next week. Have a good 4th of July. We'll be back on air on Tuesday because we'll be off Monday after 4th of July. Until then, take it easy, everybody.